Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're tuning into an episode of the Redefining Society podcast, hosted by Marco Ciappelli. Let's face it, the future is now. We live in a hybrid analog digital society, and we must stop ignoring it or pretending that technology is not affecting us. The line between the physical and virtual worlds has become a figment of our imagination. On it, we are continually performing a dangerous balancing act, juggling convenience, privacy, freedom, security, technology, society, culture, and even the future of humanity. There is no better place than here, and no better time than now to muse on our relationship with technology and how to redefine what society means in this new age. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Society podcast, in particular, the one where we wonder if we are silicon, carbon, or cell. I don't know. Is, can, can we actually ask that question, Bruce? Yeah, well, one of these days, that's probably going to be a, the first question you ask people, right? <laughs> what are you? You meet on a date or you're a job interview. So I just want to clarify, are you silicon or are you made of cells or carbon-based or some combination of those? Someday or... we'll come or we should include in the future you're completely digital like a digital twin an avatar yes. an hologram which doesn't yeah. make you i guess nor silicon nor carbon nor a cell yeah you can say this is my significant other <laughs> he or she's completely digital but you know aren't people marrying already um i think i heard in south korea or japan they're marrying their virtual assistant uh, artificial intelligence I don't know if it's legal or not, or how you open a bank account with that, but uh, I heard it's crossing the line there. <laughs> well, you know, technology, so. Yep, technology, a lot of fun. There was that movie, uh, Her, I think we mentioned a few times before, where the the protagonist uh, fall in love with an AI and... Yep. So I've, I've actually also written for Forbes about some of this stuff. So there's this... Um, uh, was a uh, is an annual sex robot um, convention where they talk about those things and you know how people are kind of building more and more realistic robots um, and so you can Im use your imagination on how those things may be used uh, but <laughs> they're becoming more and more realistic um, and there's a whole community that has these conventions where they talk about, the different uh, developments and um, you know technologies that are right around the corner. Uh, so things are changing. On the other hand, I read article where social life—it's uh, one of the secret 
for longevity and happy life. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, that's robot and uh, AI qualify as social life or is actually making us even more and more lonely um, or pretending to be in a relationship where I guess you're always right. I, I've tried to argue with the chat GPT, but always tell me, I'm sorry, Marco. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't think about that or <laughs> I made a mistake and I'm like, come on, just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're winning the arguments with ChatGPT. That's good. <laughs> well, you know, when I ask three times the same thing and I don't get a good result, I get a little I get a little Italian on that, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm like, come on, are you listening? Do you, do you to bring me? Do you bring it up things in the past, like in a regular argument with with people? You know how in, in a regular argument with people, you'll say, well. Three years ago, you did such and such, or blah blah blah. You can do that with ChatGPT. Well, three days ago, you said such and such. Do you still feel that way? So. Yeah. Well, I, I guess you need an artificial intelligence assistant that actually keep tracks because in ChatGPT, when you start a new conversation, it doesn't connect with the one before. Yeah. You need to keep that one going. But I'm pretty sure that there is going to be, or maybe there is already. A virtual assistant that it actually does keep track of everything and then you go back and like yeah i remember what you did three years ago yeah um, i remember you left the toilet seat up uh <laughs> two weeks ago so don't talk don't ask me any more questions about this or something like that sort yeah <laughs> probably oh my god the future is really really changing and getting interesting um and you know we laugh but there is a there is a lot to think about in many many aspects and that's what we do i mean we we just came here in this uh wonderful empty bar once again bruce still beautiful still mm -hmm. empty we got to do yep. something about that maybe we ask chat gpt how can we can market yes <laughs> get people to come to the bar it makes me feel a little self-conscious maybe it's me you know what? Send me that background. Next time we do this, I'm going to put the same bar. Maybe I mirror the, the background and we just pretend to be in the same, the same. Or we will look like we're in two different bars at the same franchise, right? Yeah. Or maybe one day we'll yeah. get together for real and <laughs> and have and I have a podcast. We, we got together for real in the past, but we didn't record. Although it could have been a very nice location for for a podcast to record. But we didn't do it. So uh, here we are in this bar and, and my office. And uh, I know you have a couple of uh, things coming up. Uh, by the time people listen to this, one of these may have already happened, which mm -hmm. doesn't mean that we cannot put a link to that because we can travel in time, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's one thing we're able to do and one that is probably about to happen. And I found them both interesting. They could be an individual episode, no matter what. But why not just jam it into our 30 minutes conversation? So okay. what you're up to? Yeah, so on January 30th, um, we're going to be having a uh, workshop uh, on basically looking at farming and agricultural technologies and how and what's being developed right now, what will be developed in the future, and how these technologies, well, can potentially help people better fulfill nutrition requirements and dietary guidelines. Um, and we felt that, and so this is a, a National Academies of Science, Engineering, Medicine event. Uh, I'm, I'm a chair of a committee, the committee that's putting on the, this event. Um, and sort of the genesis for this 
came from you know one of the uh, sponsors of the um, our committee, uh, the USDA, United States Department of Agriculture, and they were very interested in saying and looking at well, you know, what are these different types of technologies, and how how can they actually help ultimately help nutrition and health? Um, and it's important for several reasons. So one is first of all, there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation about there out there about like agriculture and farming technologies, and so you'll you know you'll see things that are accurate versus completely not accurate. But also, you know, we're facing a lot of increasing challenges when it comes to, you know, how to better fulfill nutritional requirements and how, you know, what what's happening to food sources. So on the one hand, with food sources, you've got things like, you know, there's been a lot of over farming. So a lot of the, you know, we're having less and less soil that's tillable or the soil may have fewer nutrients, or you're running out of land to actually plant different types of crops, or things like, uh, you know, running out of uh, food supply in oceans uh, and lakes and places like that. Or you're also having climate change, you know, which is affecting all these types of harvests and yields and those things like that. And at the same time, the population keeps growing, right? I mean, we don't have the same population that we had 20 years ago, there's a lot more people on earth and population requirements are changing. And then, you know, you see all these different things like allergies, uh, people, uh, you know, the, the rates of allergies have been changing over years. Um, so a lot of interesting challenges, plus, you know, you get some type of food item like a tomato or something like that. A tomato is not equal to another tomato, which is not equal to another tomato, right? If you eat a tomato, you may that tomato may have more or less nutrients depending on how it was grown, how long it remained in storage, how long it's been out there. So just because someone says you should eat a tomato or eat whatever, doesn't mean you're getting the same stuff. So there's all these different types of challenges that are out there. And, you know, we talk about technology, uh, this is a situation where technology can really help. So we're really got, we're going to bring together many different experts, uh, you know, probably around a dozen experts in this area that are developing different types of technologies, and they're going to discuss what they're doing and also what the future looks like. So it should be exciting. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I guess it's not more uh, potato, potato, tomato, tomato. You actually have. Nope there is a difference. Yep. <laughs> and, and that makes sense. That's, that's why I guess we go back to organic or biologic, we call it in Europe, biologic, we got the French term for that. And I don't care. I mean, I, what people may think, but the, you can taste the difference. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and at one point of what you said, talking about the past, I, I Again, I'm going to bring my Italian knowledge here, but one of the best tomatoes are coming from the Naples area, mm -hmm. as well as other kind of fruit. And one of the reason is because the volcanic soil from Mount Vesuvio. And, and so that happened, I believe, in other places where there are volcanoes and where you have a climate, of course, that you can grow that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how technology it, it can help improve the quality where where the weather and the location maybe is not so. So I keep thinking of hydrophonic farms. Mm -hmm. uh, is that something that you guys are going to probably talk about? Like create yeah. artificial climate 
to actually do these things in the right way? Yeah. So if you think about technologies, you know, it can be divided into different types of categories. So one is, you know, how do you actually change the uh, quote unquote growing environment? And when we talk about growing, it can be like ranging from plants to fish or what have you. So how do you actually change that environment? E either because the environment is changing over time. So you don't have the same environment that we had in what the 1950s or 1940s or um, the uh there's new ways to do things that can actually increase the yield, increase the, increase the possibilities. So one certainly is like what's happening around what your the food product that you're trying to grow. Uh, but then there's also technologies that can affect the food product itself, um, ranging from potential, you know, uh, different types of breeding, different types of um, uh, genetic engineering. I know, I know, many people will react a certain way if they hear the term genetic engineering. But, you know, there are techniques out there that could be helpful or some people might say, well, we don't want to see that. But it's, it's important to talk about what the different possibilities are. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so different types of technologies or even things like different types of technologies that can do things like monitor growth or help just facilitating harvesting. So there's all these different types of things. Yeah, interesting enough, I by the time we have this conversation live, uh, it would have been already live. But I, I talked yesterday with the, the undersecretary of um, the uh, Department of Homeland Security, uh, Dr. Dmitry Khrushchev, and um, he was a CS. And we were talking about all the different things that the Department of Health, you know, the, the, his department is looking at. And it's from FEMA to emergency to anyway, infrastructure, anything that regards also all this kind of technology. And we, we end up talking about how like a company like John Deere for tractors, they're, they're not really a, a machine company anymore. They are a technology company. They can look at the soil nowadays, not only because you know, they're autonomous, but they have so much technology that can see if the soil is more fertile in a place or another. Mm -hmm. If it's less, they're going to drop double the quantity of seeds. And then they got laser to zap the the bad weed and, <laughs> and monitor the growth. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know people, I guess you're right. Genetic modification, it's a bad news because now we've seen non-GMO, so people may associate that, but I think there is good genetic and modification and bad genetic modification. So I guess yeah, so you, we need to raised, be open to that. You raise some additional uses of technology, like the actual growing strategy and all those different types of things. And I think, you know, there can be a tendency when people think of, you know, a, a, a farmer or a fisher person, uh, you think of kind of the old image, someone with a pole, you know, or someone just kind of standing, you know, with, uh, with, with a, a shovel or a hoe or something like that, or a rake. But these things are getting a lot more sophisticated over the years. So there could be a lot of technology. These are large operations that include a lot of uh, technology uh, already. And uh, these things are only going to get more complicated in the future. Yeah. And I think another thing that we can talk about this is, so I have one comment again. Um, remember that the, my grandfather grew up in the farm, uh, you know, in, in Italy back in the, in the 40s. 
And you used to say all the time that uh, in Italian it rhymes. So I'm not going to say it in Italian, but in English it means that the farmers are big boots, but a very thin, sharp brain, mm. which means that yet yeah, you're working the land, but you need to know so many things. It's, a, it's still a science. You need to know the season. You need to know how to treat diseases. Mm -hmm. You need to know what to do if something happened. I mean, it is, it was already, it's always been a science to know the season of yep. doing something, cropping and nexting, changing things in the, in the fruit itself. So it's not surprising, that's what I'm about to say, that, you know, that science and technology can do so much for this. And on the other hand, it's important, I think, and I had a conversation this with the, with the vice president of the Fresh Produce Association, and my question was, is this going to make the bigger company bigger and the smaller company smaller because they are the only one that can develop this kind of technology? And our point was that either through a consortium, through communities or through development of technology that you can have on your phone, just like by scanning something, know what kind of disease that leaves has, that olive tree or whatever it is, it actually going to benefit the small grower as well. Mm -hmm. So I definitely welcoming technology and all of this. And it sounds like a fantastic conversation or a panel to, to be on. Yeah, you can think of it. I mean, you know, there's examples of industries that have been transformed different ways by technology. So for instance, uh, you know, it used to be if you wanted to produce a movie, you had to go get a big studio and all these things get all the special effects and those things like that but now with the software with things like youtube or what have you uh you have people producing things which are you know would have been considered very good quality 20 30 years ago like they they can look studio studio quality but you have individuals doing this or maybe very small groups yeah so the argument for technology in those areas it's help democratize a lot of entertainment so that and you're not heavily dependent on just big studios for everything. Um, so that's an example of, of a positive. So yeah, it's not necessarily there. You know, I, yeah, I've seen that before where people say, well, okay, if this requires all these technologies, then only, only the big dogs can do it. But that's not necessarily the case. It all depends. Uh, it can really actually facilitate individuals or individual groups. And like you said, you know, you can have networks, where people are connected to then help each other do things. So lots of possibilities. Yeah. yeah, and usually the market goes in a way where, yes, at the beginning, maybe only the the big dogs, the big corporation can invest in doing research and development. And maybe, yes, they have the heads up that come in the entertainment industry. I mean, you, you couldn't do CGI on your home computer, what you could, you needed. <laughs> huge, huge computer to do back in the days. But now you can run this program in the cloud throughout your phone and mm -hmm. and be totally fine with that. So maybe there is that first stage, but then it, it does trickle down AI. It's, it's a good example of that. You know, with 30 bucks yep. a month, you can get the best chat GPT that, that you have. Yep. So yeah, really good point. I love to I love to know and maybe we, we can even figure out if we can organize a, a, a panel uh, from that panel in the future where we 
Maybe you invite a couple of people and we, we have this chat. That would be really good. But I know you have another good one coming up, which oh, is kind of related. Yeah, yeah. I also want to add, you know, the yeah. other thing is technology can help connect like food sources, farming, agriculture to the individual consumer mm-hmm. too in many different ways. Uh, like I, I, I mentioned that it's difficult to, you know, many people may find it difficult to fulfill nutritional guidelines or dietary guidelines, nutritional requirements. You know, you look, look at these different types of things and then you say, okay, but, uh, you know, socially and culturally, you know, I've got to eat hot dogs or something like that, you know, and like that obviously doesn't fit in there. Or say you are, um, you know, making a fruitcake or something like that. And you want to say, okay, I'm putting all these components in there, but like, how does this actually connect with me getting enough nutrients? So you can have technology helping you understand, okay, based on the food sourcing, based on where the food comes from, this is what you're your, the results will be in terms of your health and nutrition and, you know, what's the difference does it make to get this type of farming versus that type of farming. So there's that connection as well. So, you know, again, something, something to keep in mind because there can be a tendency to think, oh, well, this is technology that just helps things upstream. And then I'm not even going to think about it. I'm just going to eat whatever comes to my, close to my mouth. Uh, but this is a way of sort of connecting people with this food source because it used to be, right? It used to be uh, not super long ago, you would eat what you would pick, right? You would say, yeah. I'm hungry. I'm going to go to that tree and pick something, or I'm going to grow this and I'm going to eat it. Like we tend to think, well, that was a long time ago. That wasn't too long ago, you know, 100 years, 200 years. Um, so then you like, you knew what exactly you're like, okay, I need to eat this and this is where this comes from. But now um, you have that separation that disconnect in fact i've seen studies or interviews where you ask people like where do french fries come from and then people don't know that oh that actually came from the ground before from from france oh exactly yes (laughs) from france and fryland right so (laughs) uh or freiburg right it came from freiburg but uh yeah so people people don't really know that so connecting people with the food sources closer is another thing yeah which yeah. which again connect to what you're about to talk which is more like science communication but yes that that fourth uh what they call the fourth industrial revolution now um it's about not the technology on its own that was more like you know maybe the third but the connection of different technology that work together which also brings to connect probably the consumer and be more proactive towards this because if you can have something even your own fridge that tells you that uh, i'm gonna scan all the food that you have in here and you get a grade of f minus because it's really all bad for you (laughs) or for your medical condition that you have how about we do a better assortment and then you connect the entire i don't know blockchain and and analysis of food and, and food farmers and to decide how to optimize also what to deliver in certain areas. So, I mean, there is an own network that the technology can help and it is changing the way we do, we do things. Problem is a lot of people don't know. Mm-hmm. We need to tell them. Yep. How yep. <laughs> do people even care? Communication is <laughs> important. 
Which brings us to your Which next. Which is perfect segue. To since we, since we don't have a kind of dramatic shifting music, you know, I could add it. I could add it. Yeah, you know, you you have in the Avengers when suddenly like Thanos shows. Well, okay, I don't want to apply it. Yeah. To shift the Thanos, but like when when the when the hero comes in, so the hero lands. You know, you have the the um, the the music and 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 then there's a shift in mood and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we don't we don't have the background music just yet, but no, um, we will. This is where we would put it. Yeah. So yes, so science communications uh, is something that's super important. It's become increasingly important, uh, I'd say, over the past uh, decade or so, because there is so much misinformation out there and so much disinformation. And then you've seen it many times studies which have shown that, you know, kind of knowledge of different types of science has been going down or like you've probably seen uh, some of those uh, late night talk show uh, segments where they go out onto the street. And they ask people basic questions and scary. Yeah. People don't know. And uh, I think it's just because in big parts, people have not been exposed to a lot of these different things Um, because, you know, you, you, you can, you can ask someone some, you know, some science questions they may not know, but, but you, you ask them like, name all the Avengers and all their powers and stuff like that, or, or tell me everything about Taylor Swift or something like that. And then like, it all comes out. So it's not like people don't have the capacity to mm. know different things. It's just that they haven't been exposed to these things. So just think, imagine if you're, if people were to put in as much time or have as much exposure to sci- different science things as, you know, what Tony Stark and Iron Man is doing, um, that can have a huge positive impact in our society, right? And uh, and 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 science is it's fun. So I think one of the key things is we need to talk about how you can transform science communications uh, because it's not. I, I I was talking to uh, someone the other day who uh, this person admitted, oh, uh, so wasn't a fan of science, you know in high school and college and kind of viewed it as, yeah, just something it, it like, it's like medicine, right? You got to take medicine. I'm going to learn this stuff. Mm-hmm. But it should, it, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. It can be interesting and engaging. So, yeah. So I'm going to, uh, January 21st, uh, I'm going to have a Q and a, uh, question and answer discussion with drum roll, please. Francis Collins, Dr. Francis Collins, who he was the longest standing director of the National Institutes of Health, NIH. So he crossed four different presidential administrations, which is talking about survival. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're talking about like he was there through, you know, different parties and et cetera. So um, he has seen and knows a lot. And even and prior to that, he was he was central to the Human Genome Project. So he was a, a very accomplished scientist even bef- before becoming uh, director of NIH, and then was director of NIH for many years. Uh, and he knows a lot about obviously science, and knows a lot about science communication. is is very interested in science communication. I think he recognizes the importance of it. 
So this is an opportunity for people to join and ask questions. You know, I'll be moderating, uh, you know, from someone who really has a, a quite a unique perspective and eye on science communications and what's needed. Yeah, and what's, what's amazing, and I think the opportunity here is that a part that the fact that he was probably involved in all of this before becoming, you know, working for, for a different president. So if you take that, all those four plus four plus four presidential years, and you get his experience, you're talking about probably somebody that made the transition from before social media to social media to fake news to manipulation for whatever political mm -hmm. reason of of information, and and I think yeah, j just even from that aspect, it, it can brings it a lot of a lot of stories you you said something that make me think at the personal level too like i've always said i'm always been more a humanistic guy i always like more literature i always like more philosophy which end up to be kind of my career sociology and all of that and i can't understand math when i look back i had great teacher in the subject that i like and I have really crappy one mm -hmm. <laughs> in the one that I don't like, meaning they didn't excite me, right? They, mm -hmm. it, like you say, it's that the medicine that you need to take, but it, A, it doesn't have to be like that. B, it's actually not like that because there are very exciting science communicator, which is not even a profession on its own. It's actually being a teacher. You are communicating science to whatever grade you're teaching. And it can make the difference between transmitting that passion for a future career versus, hell no, I'm not going to be an engineer because it's just not good. I mean, I think example of astronauts that come back, physicists that are well known, Carl Sagan, uh, deGrasse Tyson, just to mention a few of that, just they're fun. They're telling you a good story. They make it understandable. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, let me learn more about what they just said versus, you know, a completely different, uh, you know, science, dogs, whatever, mm -hmm. barking thing. The dog is trying to communicate. So yeah, to and it's not making any sense. And well, no, the mailman is not sense. liking it. <laughs> he might be trying to make a, a major important point, but what he's not doing is not, not putting it in the right sort of context right so maybe he might be saying something and you're like well that's not the right context so but you got my point so while i wait for my dog to shut up your point of making things exciting yeah well you know i think the thing is uh you know i've heard uh many times from uh so i, I do you know a lot of ai work a lot of mathematical kind of modeling type of work and many times we'll have people who will say, oh, well, I'm not a math person, but I'm interested in learning more about this. And I've had situations where people actually have taken to it like you know, a fish to water, ultimately. And they actually have very good math capabilities, but you know, they majored in something else. You know, they ma majored in humanities or something like that. Because for the reason that you indicated, Marco, where when it was originally posed to them, when math was originally posed to them, it was posed in a very dry way. No one explained why this is useful from a day-to-day -day perspective, right? So you say, here's the formula. 
just memorize this formula or just know how to use this formula. And you're like, well, why? What's not really fully explained is that math describes everything, right? If you look at like all these phenomenon or behaviors, they follow mathematical equations. The way people respond to things, the way, you know, the wind works, the way the shapes of things, you notice that, the, you know, there's certain shapes that always appear and there's some shapes that never appear because it's governed by many times mathematical formulas. There's some something in the creation of all these things are following mathematical formula. So it's a way of describing the universe and describing our world. And if you pose it that way, then suddenly it becomes a lot more interesting, right? Because it's, it's more relevant. And I think we can do that a lot with science. I think there can be the assumption that science is either something like medicine or something is that should be told by one person to another to say, this is, this is the way it is. Whereas instead, like, I think everyone has the capability or capacity of sort of understanding a lot of these principles, but let's make it more fun. Let's make it more interesting. Um, that's one of the reasons why I try to, when I write things for like Forbes and cover science and health, I try to make it a little more fun. Um, and, you know, not like serious all the time, not like, you know, the world is exploding type of, you know, news. It's more like, you know, this is, this is, this is the amusing parts of it. Yeah. It, it, that's the thing is when they tell you what, this is just the way it is. I yeah. just need to memorize. I, I remember in college, I had my first exam was uh, history and I am just not good in just memorizing thing, right? Dates, yeah. name, but I'm good in understanding why things happen, the concept, the contextual, thing and it, it, it that just came down to that like a professor that was telling me that story is made of dates and name and places and i completely disagree with that that was my initial you know first exam in college and and it was actually the worst exam i've ever took and then i, I got a little lucky because for me it was like well i understand why i don't know the the War of the Roses started between France and England, and and I don't remember all the kings and queens and <laughs> general and and the perfect date. So, but the the thing of why, like like asking why, like a kid, like kid, like okay, I understand you tell me that word, but why, 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 why? You, you kind of want to touch to your own experience. So mm -hmm. if you can translate that, why this happened then it has a completely different meaning and 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 the way you communicate this um it makes a complete difference i think that it comes down to say can you explain it to a five years old kid um i don't know quantum physics for example yep i can't yep. but i'm sure that if you really understand it you can maybe don't in depth but you may create a new quantum physicist somebody that want to be a quantum physicist just because you kind of gave a better answer than well that's just the way it is well that's not gonna help me so yeah yep. are we doing in your opinion enough uh well my opinion no to to make science medicine any kind of science really more appealing more understandable instead of keeping that shaman attitude of I retain all the secret you need to come to me and I can, you know, <laughs> move some uh, 
I don't know, burn charcoal and tell you what the future is going to be. Is it our fault a little bit? Is it scientist's fault a little bit? Yeah, I think we have a ways to go. And I think, uh, you know, in some ways, things have gone the op opposite direction over the past couple decades, because a lot of these scientific disciplines have becoming increasingly siloed. Like you have someone who specializes in this one little thing, and then they come up with their own language so that then even like another scientist can't even understand what they're talking about. Acronyms. So, I, I hate acronyms. I can't yeah. hate it. Oh, I, I remember I, I was in a meeting once where basically the entire meeting, it was a meeting of different people of different disciplines. Um, and they all came together and the entire meeting was spent arguing about what is meant by the word tool, T-O-O-L. <laughs> Because tool means different things in different disciplines. So like this went on and, you know, I had no, I had no uh, horse in the race. So I was just kind of observing this. And, you know, like someone was saying tool means this, tool means that. And they were just arguing about it. And I'm thinking, I can think of another definition of the word tool that's, that, um, that applies to this situation. But you know, I, think, I think it's gotten worse in that sense. Everything has become siloed. And, you know, uh, but the, but there's a lot we can do. Like for instance, I was part of this um, National Academies program where uh, you know I would meet with screenwriters and and directors and and give advice in terms of how to make the scripts more scientifically accurate. Okay. Uh, and they welcomed that. They were like, yeah, why not? Why not make it more accurate if you're going to show something in the movies? So. Mm. That's cool. I, I tell you, you know who told me that does a quite a bit of this is uh, Neil Cummings, mm -hmm. our, our friends from the Mentor Project. He does a lot of consulting. He's an astrophysicist, and he does a lot of consulting in this because people actually now they do that. It's not just sci-fi. And I remember when I was a kid, I would never wonder if why you know can an X uh, wing fly with that <laughs> kind of structure in space, or I don't care. I think it was just cool. But now I see more and more when there is a sci-fi new show, they, they go into how accurate is it? Could it really happen? Can you hear noise in space? Yep. No, but we do put it just for the drum roll <laughs> special yep. effect, right? Uh, but it's cool to know that, yeah, this is possible, not possible. doesn't mean you can still enjoy it. It's still fantasy. But exactly. a lot of sci-fi, it's actually based on, 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 on possibilities. Maybe yeah. not real now, but if I remember, our smartphone now are pretty much what Star Trek used to use. So there you have it. Oh, lots of things that, that appeared in Star <laughs> Trek are the kind of the basis of inventions. Or <laughs> yeah, that we have now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Still waiting wow. for the transporter, though. <laughs> so... And, and the time machine, which, by yes. the way, I was actually listening to the other English, really good communicator. I think his name is Brian Cox. He's a, another astrophysicist. I mentioned him a few times because he's a really cool dude. And uh, there was a little clip on Instagram that they asked him if uh, space travel is possible. And he said, yes, but only in the future. You cannot go back but you can fly as fast, almost like 9.999% of the speed of light. When you come back, you will be in the future. 
because you will be so much younger and maybe hundreds of thousands of years or a hundred years have passed by, depending on how, how long you stay away traveling at that speed, mm -hmm. you can come back and see the future and is you're still you. So that's kind of like a time machine, maybe not the, the doctor who that we, that we know, but, um, and, and again, that's a cool example. I want to know more. Why does he know this thing? What's the speed of light? What, uh, you know, like it can trigger so many more things that just say, you know, the formula of it. Absolutely. So I guess we need advertisers and creative people working in science and help making some really cool stories. There you go. Yep. Yep. Well, this was fun. I really enjoyed these two completely different topic, but also in somehow related one to another because as they all are, as we are related from being a cell carbon and, uh, and, uh, and silicon, because at this point, we're just all in the same blender. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, that's just life it is nowadays. So very cool, Bruce. Good to see you. Uh, say hi to everybody in that bar. That should be pretty quick. Uh, yes. <laughs> it should be just a quick wave of your hands. There's no one. And, <laughs> and I'm looking forward for our next conversation uh, recorded. I know there'll be many other in between, but recorded. It's about once a month. And uh, next time, uh, you'll tell me how both these events went. I'm very curious. Absolutely. All right, everybody stay tuned. Once a month we get together in this bar where a lot of weird characters walks in. It's kind of like in Star Wars. And um, we play some jazz. Maybe next time. Take care, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bug Crowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Society podcast, hosted by Marco Cipelli. If you learned something new, and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and share the ITSP Magazine podcast network with your friends, family, and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.